Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the weekend of July 24th to 26th, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. So last week, I put out an episode a day later or so due to the real world getting in the way. I, at the time, I had said, okay, that's fine because you know, there were some late rumors I was able to include in the show I wouldn't have otherwise. Well, the day after, put out, after I put out that episode, there was a huge number of updates uh, when it came to new movie dates. Uh, it just goes to show that whenever you have a weekly news and analysis podcast, there will always, always be something to analyze the day after you put your episode out. So let's get into it. So, following up last week's announcement that Tenet, uh, the Christopher Nolan mystery thriller, um, you know, would not be coming out on August 12th, Warner Brothers has announced that there is a new plan for distribution. Like I had speculated last week, the plan seems to be that the that the film will be released where it is able to open globally starting on August 26th. Then, it will open in quote-unquote select U.S. cities starting September 3rd over the Labor Day holiday. The countries that will have Tenet open on the weekend of the 26th to the 28th will be predominantly most of Europe and Asia, since those are the countries uh, that have already mostly recovered from the coronavirus, as well as Canada and Australia as well. Uh, Notably, China is not one of the countries where a release date is confirmed as of yet, though obviously with a month to go, that could very well change. Um... We also do not yet know which U.S. cities will be have Tenet open uh, on September 3rd, though again, that will probably depend on which markets have not yet closed down as a result of increased COVID cases. Uh, this is a weekly reminder, please wear your mask so you can go see Tenet in theaters. Um, I'm personally hoping that by that point, uh, New York will have been probably, what, a month, month and a half into phase four. Um, so hopefully by that time, you know, Cuomo's and, and the Blasio see fit to open up theaters in New York City again, even if it's at a limited capacity, because I really want to see Tenet as soon as possible. Uh, obviously, this is very different from most Hollywood releases, where the films will either release on the same date uh, worldwide, or it'll start off in the States before slowly rolling out overseas. Uh, whether or not this will end up becoming the new norm moving forward, we'll just have to see. But again, this just really makes sense because it didn't make sense for you know Warner Brothers to leave money on the table, especially if exhibitors in other countries are suffering because the U.S. doesn't have those sit together when it comes to beating this virus. Um, so you know. You know, uh, Chris Nolan held as long as he could in the hopes that, you know, the U.S. and and U.S. movie theaters would be able to recover with Tenet. But, you know, at some point, the breaking point has come where, you know, there's this money left on the table on international markets and Warner's just wanting to scoop that up. So, as with most things related to this industry, this new announcement uh, had a huge number of ripple effects, domino effects resulting from it. Uh, First off, remember that 10-year Inception anniversary screening that was supposed to happen this past month in July? Uh, Well, now that actually is going to start on August 21st, um, a week or so before the international release. Um, The idea being that this is about two weeks before uh, Labor Day here in the States. So, you know, theaters have said that they need about two weeks or so to get supplies up and running practice the cleaning protocols before the big weekend. Um, as such, Regal has already announced that that weekend, uh, August, 20, um, August 
31st is going to be their reopening date. I imagine we'll hear, we'll hear the same soon from AMC and Cinemark shortly. Um, also, while the rest of Warner's major films for the year, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 and Dune, have not yet gotten new release dates from their October and December respective dates, uh, one film that did end up moving also as a result of Tenet moving is the small road rage film Unhinged starring Russell Crowe. Um, originally, this was meant to come out July 4th, uh, and then they are pushing it back to that initial August 21st release date against the Inception anniversary. Um, you know, Again, they're trying to be the first film back in theaters, um, you know, trying to, trying to test the waters and getting in before Tenet takes over the, the theaters. Um, again, you know, this is uh, Unhinged has already come out overseas in Germany. Uh, so, you know, this is just the U.S. release. So, Tenet aside, what other announcements came out last week? Um, you know, last week was also San Diego Comic-Con virtually. So, there were a bunch of announcements and some panels. Um First off, what hasn't moved uh, is, surprisingly, uh, uh, the new Mutants movie. Um, but before we get to there, you know, also worth noting is that the horror film Antebellum, uh, which is distributed by Lionsgate, will also be making a play for that August 21st release date against Unhinged. Um, but anyway, to, back to 20th Century's New Mutants, uh, it's apparently sticking with their August 28th release date. Um, and I would personally consider this to be the first real major new movie coming out since the pandemic started. Um, you know, after, after it had been delayed from April 13th, 2018, uh, through two different 2019 dates, and then now on its second 2020 date, we will, fingers crossed, soon be able to see this movie uh, 98 minutes long, apparently. In a panel announcement at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, they kind of poked fun at all of the delays, and it seems that they're saying to, the, to, the, to this uh, April, August 28th date. Um, it seems that it's likely going to be a global release, which, interestingly, this puts uh, it up against Tenet in all the international markets, um, at least abroad. So, you know, there are rumors, there were rumors last week that, you know, it would eventually move to Disney+, Plus, but it seems that Disney is very firm at, no, this is coming to theaters. Um, for the exact reasons why, it's, it mostly comes down to speculation, but here are my best guesses. First off, you know, the new mutants, I'm guessing Disney sees it as a kind of sacrificial lamb, so to speak, where they want to test the waters of the movie theaters before, you know, coming finalizing their rollout plan for Mulan. Um, you know, I think that Disney kind of sees this film as not doing well financially, be it in good times or in bad times. So at the very least, if they release it now when, you know, theater is kind of shaking, they could at the very least spin the performance to be, well, you know, we did the best we could given the pandemic um, and, and on the theater closer situation. So there's that. Um, and obviously, you know, they, they wouldn't want to delay it even further um, since they're not likely going to get any additional money out of it. They're just kind of losing money on, on it continually being uh, pushed back. Um, the other possible reason is Disney simply doesn't care about whether the film does well or not. Um, and But if that's the case, why don't they move it to streaming, as the rumor suggested? Well, you know, to do so would probably require buying out the director and the cast contracts, which apparently, you know, according to the director on Twitter, there was a clause in the contract that would have a theatrical release. So if Disney doesn't care about the film financially, you know, beyond just simply getting it out there and fulfilling their contract, you know, why would they, why would they, um, um, pay, why would they pay money to buy them out of the contracts and put it on Disney Plus, especially if they don't think there'll be a huge increase in the number of users who would buy Disney Plus just to see New Mutants like they did with Hamilton earlier this month. 
um, you know, they may have pushed it back over the years because they were hopes that they could get returns in a normal time. But normal times, we don't know when that's going to return. It might be a year. It might be two years. So, um, you know, I just can't believe that, you know, despite everything, all of that, that all the jokes and memes that the new mutants would be the first movie back in theaters uh, is actually going to happen. It's going to be that Mulan. It's going to be that Tenet. So that's that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, cheers to you, new mutants. Um, anyway. Those are the things that haven't changed. What have changed, um, you know, let's talk about that for a little bit. So speaking of Disney, uh, there was the expanded announcement that Mulan will not be coming out on August 21st. Um, note that the Tenet news uh, earlier this episode was only came out in the last day or so. Uh, Mulan's news came out late last week, so that still during the Comic-Con period. Um, as expected, Disney doesn't want their live-action remake to be the first major movie back, uh, so they currently have it undated. Um, I would not be surprised if Disney ends up following a similar release model as with Tenet, doing a global release in markets that have reopened theaters, um, and then eventually releasing it in the States at a later time. Most notably, you know, obviously they want this to release in China and not have it come out in the States and then not in China because uh, of piracy concerns. Um, no date on when that is, though likely it'll be after Tenet. Uh, I could see it maybe like a September release date uh, for Disney, for Mulan, and then, um, you know, doing, and then coming out in the U.S. later, maybe around Thanksgiving if they end up pushing Soul back, who knows? Um, you know, there were other news aside from Mulan getting moved, though. Uh, Disney moved, so one of the big new announcements is that, so if you remember the uh, film Avatar, you know, with the blue people, not the airbender, um, there was going to be sequels by James Cameron. Um, and then also, you know, there's supposed to be new uh, Ryan Johnson or Taika Waititi, uh, Star Wars films, you know, a new trilogy, so to speak. And those were supposed to alternate December dates starting in 2021. So Avatar 2 was supposed to come out December 2021, and the Star Wars film 2022, Avatar 3 2023, new Star Wars 2024, Avatar 4 2025, Star Wars 2026, and then finally Avatar 5 in 2027. Now, all of that has been pushed back a year. Uh, part of that is because James Cameron has said that he needs to finish more motion capture work on Avatar 2, and so production has been delayed. And then also, Taika Waititi, who's supposed to be working on, I think, the next Star Wars film, obviously he has his commitment to film um, you know, Thor Love and Thunder, which hasn't begun production yet, so they're not going to be likely to be able to finish the Thor movie and then the Star Wars movie in time for that initial release date, so this is going to push everything back. So now, uh, Avatar 2 comes out on uh, 2022, Taika Waititi Star Wars on 2023, and then Disney will just own December up until 2028 when Avatar 5 comes out, assuming it's not delayed again. Uh, interestingly, Avatar 2 is currently uh, on the same date as Aquaman to uh, so we'll see who ends up moving uh, down the line. Um, you know, just just a brief tangent. Did you know that when Avatar two comes out, assuming there are no more delays, that it will be thirteen years uh, between the first Avatar and its sequel? I can't think of another you know first sequel movie really that had that's this mainstream that you know will end up making will will end up you know, being that far apart. Um, Titanic and Avatar, you know, the last two James Cameron films were only 12 years apart, so already, you know, that much further away. Avatar 2 was originally supposed to be released in 2014, and at this point has had six delays uh, to get to this point. So, and by the time Avatar 5 comes out in 2028, James Cameron will have been working on this franchise on for 30 years. So, you know, I really hope for his sake that uh, Avatar 2 is a financial success and that the other Avatar movies end up getting made so his vision 
season can be completed. But man, this is just kind of bizarre. Like, what the heck is this? Anyway, so we mentioned that uh, Avatar 2 moved off of December 2021. So has anything swooped in to take that place? Well, yes. Uh, they were probably tipped off by Disney since they were working on the project together. But Sony has announced that the untitled Spider-Man Homecoming sequel, the third one in the, in the franchise, uh, starring Tom Holland, will be taking that date instead. Uh, my bet is on that it will be called Spider-Man Home for the Holidays. Um, but yeah, so anyway, all that aside, we do have some more immediate new dates, not, you know, years in the future. Um, so, you know, one of the ones I'm most disappointed by is that Fox Searchlight's film, The French Dispatch, uh, which is, you know, the brainchild of Wes Anderson, has been indefinitely postponed. There's no date for that. Um, it's It was one of the award favorites for this year, so who knows, maybe it'll come out maybe early 2021 and try to get a award consideration for them. Um, 20th Century's The Empty Man moves to August 7th, 2021 from a December 4th date. Uh, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel moves from a limited Christmas release this year to October 15, 2021. And then Searchlight's A Personal History of David Copperfield uh, starring Dev Patel, which actually came out in the UK pre-pandemic, will finally come out in the States on August 28th uh, on a limited release against New Mutants. Um, different audience, though, so I, I don't think there's too much concern there. Um, the supernatural horror film Antlers got pushed back to February 19th, originally supposed to come out April of this year. Um, and then the Kenneth Branagh adaptation of Agatha Christie's uh, you know, crime novel uh, Murder, Murder on, the Mist on the Orient Express will be coming out on August October 23rd this year instead of October 9th. And then finally, uh, Black Widow uh, from Marvel is still coming out on November 6th, and Pixar's Soul on November 20th have not yet moved on the Disney side of things. Um, also have not moved is Fox's The Kingsman or Free Guy in September and December, respectively. Uh, one last film from the doc, from the Fox Disney family I wanted to mention is the Searchlight film uh, Nomadland by Chloe Zhao, uh, starring Frances McDormand. It will be premiering uh, in Venice and Toronto and also stream in New York as part of their respective film festivals um, or virtual film festivals, I get. Um, and there will be a limited release here in the States in the fall. The reason I bring this up is because I'm actually really excited. I think she's kind of going to be one of the big new things in kind of the independent art scene in, in Hollywood. Um, you know, she is going to be the director of the next MCU film after Black Widow, The Eternals. So, you know, if this does well, she could attract more attention for, for that film. Uh, moving to a different studio, Paramount has announced some changes. Um, they are moving A Quiet Place 2, which, mind you, already had its world premiere back in March just before the pandemic. Um, you know, we'll be moving from a Labor Day weekend to April 23rd, 2021, probably to not conflict against the Tenet uh, date. Um, they also moved Top Gun Maverick from December this year to July 2nd, 2021, reinstating it as the summer flick it always was. Uh, this pushes, pushes the fourth Jackass film, uh, from July 2021 to September 2021 instead. Um, they also announced that Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will, will release in April 2022. And then Paramount didn't announce it, but Hasbro, uh, the toy manufacturer of the G.I. Joe franchise, announced that the Paramount distributed G.I. Joe spinoff Snake Eyes will be delayed to 2021, originally um, coming out sometime this year. So really, Paramount is just left with the animated film Clifford the Big Red Dog and then the Eddie Murphy sequel to comedy Coming to America. I guess that's another sequel, though not nearly as you know work-intensive as uh, Avatar 2 has been. Uh, moving on, this isn't a major studio, but MGM uh, is 
you know, it has a long history, and they will be releasing Bill and Ted 3. I believe it's been, what, 30 years since the second one came out? So Bill and Ted 3, Face the Music, not only premiered a new trailer during San Diego Comic-Con, but they announced that instead of an August 28th release date in theaters here in the States, they will now be streaming the movie uh, both on premium VOD and in theaters where possible around the globe, and as well as in the U.S. on September 1st. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a relatively niche fan favorite cult, like very small but very passionate fan base, this makes sense. You know, if you try to pin the revenue on a traditional model, I don't think it's going to work in this case where you don't know where, where all the, you need in order to break even, I think you need as many theaters open as possible and to open, especially with limited capacity. Um, and especially, so, you know, if this doesn't have that wide appeal, it, that, that doesn't really make sense for both the exhibitors and for the distributors to, to try to release it in, in wide. So I think trying to take the best of both worlds, you know, getting the very passionate fan base, especially the older generation who had it in high school, now they're a little bit older, they don't want to risk going out and getting coronavirus, Watch Watching it at home makes sense for them. Um, and yeah, so, you know, obviously this breaks the traditional uh, theatrical windows we've discussed in past episodes. But I think between the distributor, Orion Pictures, MGM, being a relatively smaller player as opposed to, you know, Disney, Universal, Sony, and then also saying that it's not going to be their main strategy moving forward, I think this is why exhibitors are okay with it. Um, the parent company, MGM, also disputes the Bond films, and they haven't changed any announcements about the upcoming No Time to Die film uh, coming direct to VOD, you know, in breaking that theatrical window. So I think that might be why, you know, a relatively small show like Bill and Ted, the, the exhibitors are okay missing out on that one. Uh, in addition, MGM announced that they are moving the Jennifer Hudson biopic of Aretha Franklin, Respect, from a limited Christmas release to a wider MLK weekend release in January 2021. Um, given that the award season, again, will allow early 2021 films to compete for the upcoming award season, I think this makes sense. You know, uh, Aretha Franklin is a strong black uh, you know, artist, uh, and then obviously releasing on MLK Day, I think, will, will play well. Um, Hudson did particularly well on the BET Awards recently. Um, I think that kind of influenced, you know, the good reception of her in that trailer for that. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that Dune will potentially follow suit and try to get out of that crowded, uh, you know, December, November release window and try to move early 2021 um, to try to get some award consideration and breathe a little bit. Okay, so that's enough for domestic release dates. Uh, let's look at the top three movies from this past week um, from the whatever opens were open this uh, week. Uh, I believe there were 1,500 theaters or so, according to the deadline, open this week out of the 5,000. So slowly ticking up. I think a couple weeks ago, I said it was about 1,000, 1,100 or so. So slowly more reopening, though. It's a subtle game of some theaters opening and then closing and some were closed and then open. And, but net positive, we were up. Um, in first place, we have a film called The Rental from IFC Films. Uh, this is Dave Franco's directorial debut, stars his wife, actress Alison Brie. Um, over the weekend, it made $403.9,000 across 250 theaters, 80 of which were indoor theaters. Uh, this is the widest new release opening, so the most number of theaters since the pandemic began. Um, Rental was also able to snag the number one on both the box office uh, in, you know, in physical theaters, as well as on some VOD charts, specifically Apple TV, which tracks the number of transactions. Um, IFC Films did not charge the premium VOD prices of about $20 or so, such as with Trolls World Tour, but instead they charged a standard five, uh, $67. So the rental is only the second film uh, to be have been both number one on VOD and in streaming 
uh, and in theaters on the same weekend. Um, the first obviously being Trolls World Tour uh, kind of shows how much of a weird time this is. So moving on to the rest of the top three in theaters, number two film was The Karate Kid, I believe the original. Uh, it made 225,367 theaters. And then number three, The Goonies made 176,126 theaters. So a bit of a softer week compared to a couple of the past, you know, the you know multiple close to half a million openings. Um, but yeah, uh, it's still nice to see a non-rerun film, a new release uh, on the top of the charts again. Anyway, speaking of the VOD and streaming space, there are a couple of updates from various streaming services. From Netflix, I actually missed this last week, but uh, they have announced that their largest budget for an original film that they've committed to, um, it's going to be The Gray Man, which is starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, and it's going to be directed by the Avengers Endgame directors uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, the Russo brothers. Um, the film is supposed to be a quote-unquote mano-a-mano espionage thriller and reportedly has a budget of $200 million. Uh, for context, Martin Scorsese's Irisman, uh, which is very expensive for Netflix, only cost him about $160 million. And then Apple TV picked up Scorsese's next project, Killers of the Flower Moon, for about $200 million. So this is going to definitely be up there with regard to budgets for uh, streaming first films. Now, now the budget for Avengers Endgame was, you know, $356 million, I believe. Um, but, you know, obviously that has the ability to recoup that money from in-person theaters. So, you know, this is a big play by, by Netflix. Um, I think the difference is that whereas the Scorsese films do have some broad appeal, obviously, you know, Scorsese is a known director. Um, I think, you know, The Irishman was largely seen as a play more for awards season prestige. Um, but by pulling in the directors of literally the highest grossing films of all times and then A-list actors including Mr. Captain America himself and then perpetual Lady Quest Ryan Gosling, you know, Netflix is going for a more wide appeal here. Um, in addition, the intent is apparently to build a full franchise, you know, not just this single movie, but potentially multiple movies and even TV series um, based on this original novel by the author um, Mark Greeny centered around Ryan Gosling. Um, so this is the second film of from the Russo Brothers production studio, AGBO, um, that will appear on Netflix. Uh, the other one being an action thriller, Extraction, which came out earlier this year, starring uh, another Marvel alum, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, it's one of Netflix's most watched original films and already has a sequel in the project. So this looks to be you know a very uh, fruitful relationship for both the Russo Brothers as well as for Netflix. Um, Netflix also announced that the Aaron Sorkin-directed political drama starring Sacha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne, The Trial of Chicago 7, will be coming out on October 16th. Uh, given that there are various political ties, it's, you know, it's about the Democratic National Convention and protesters at the convention um, in this, you know, very divisive uh, election year. And with the pedigree of, you know, Netflix and fan favorite Aaron Sorkin's screenwriting, this would be a big hit for the platform. And, you know, I, I would see this being in consideration for awards consideration. Uh, okay, so that's enough Netflix. Moving on to HBO Max, AT&T had their earnings call this past week and announced that their new streaming service, HBO Max, uh, has you know 4 million active subscribers after one month of launch. Uh, this isn't particularly mind-blowing, but it's also not terrible. It's definitely better than Quibi is. Um, obviously, being on an earnings call, they were going to spin it pretty positively and call it a success. Uh, digging into the numbers a little bit, they announced that there are 23.6 million users who are what we call wholesale subscribers. Uh, they are users who have HBO TV bundled into an existing plan, but have not yet activated the app. 
uh, or may or, may or may not have activated the app. And then there are an additional 3 million users who have activated the HBO app separately from those uh, you know, who have, who have it through a bundle. And these are known as retail subscribers. So, okay, 4 million current active users and about 3 million of them are people who got it separately. That means there are only about 1 million of these wholesale subscribers are using their bundled HBO Max app. Again, that is out of 23.6 million. So just somewhere around 5%, maybe a little bit less. Um, this is not great if that they the education on you know the HBO Venom that they have it available hasn't really reached their already existing market base. But on the flip side, on the glass ha- glass half empty perspective, that just means there's more potential for the subscriber numbers to go up. Um, I foresee Warner's major challenge moving forward to be educating their current user base, you know, people who have bundles with other services um, that they have HBO Max. Uh, and to activate it so that they're not that it looks like they're growing their active users. Um, you know, this is on top of the fact that Roku and Amazon still has not broken through in the negotiations with uh, AT and T, HBO, and HBO Warner, um, and that's keeping HBO Max away from seventy percent of connected TV. So I guess this is this is nothing to sneeze at, and I guess HBO Max is doing a little bit better than you know some, myself included, may have thought you know in recent weeks. Also, not strictly movie news, but I am an anime fan. I have another anime podcast, and I just wanted to shout out Crunchyroll. Um, this is Warner's anime streaming service. I am a premium member of that disclaimer. They just recently had 3 million active users worldwide. Uh, for a pretty niche market, you know, that's pretty good. I, I'm kind of surprised that Crunchyroll doesn't have more. I guess this, this doesn't include people who watch Crunchyroll for free and don't pay for a subscription service. You can do that. Um, there are a number of Crunchyroll anime also that show up on HBO Max as well, so a little bit of crossover over synergy there. Uh, and then finally, from HBO Max, you know, they have an original film coming August 7th. Uh, this is Seth Rosen's The American Pickle about some immigrant from like 100 years ago getting preserved in a barrel and opening it up in, in modern day Brooklyn. Um, that's going to release in the States. You know, HBO Max is only in the States on August 7th. However, it's, however, you know, the film is going to get distributed by Warner outside of the country uh, in the UK, at least also on the same date, August 7th, and possibly in other countries as well. So I think this whole tenant situation of, you know, moving where they can internationally and then maybe doing streaming or, you know, even just limited releases here in the States kind of also applies as well. Um that kind of brings us to the last bunch of headlines I wanted to cover about cinemas reopening up abroad. So obviously, as we talked about at the top of the episode, Tenet will be doing an international release first. Other countries have opened up their theaters because they've taken care of the coronavirus. We talked about Peninsula last week, which is the sequel to the Train to, Bus- Train to Busan zombie film coming out of the Korea. Um, last week, they made $13 million. This week, they made about $7 million. So the total is now $20 million in Korea alone. That does not include the other revenue from other uh, other markets, uh, such as Singapore, Vietnam, and so on. Um you know, within Korea, is about a 50% drop, which, you know, given what we know about how drops work, you know, week over week here in the States, assuming it's the same in Korea, this is an average drop, you know, not, not too great, but also, you know, not terrible as well. So um, it looks like slowly, you know, Korea at least is, is returning to some semblance of normalcy. Um, obviously, you know, also in the Asian market, we want to keep an eye on China. Um, theaters have reopened in low-risk areas uh, on the 20th, so that was you know, a little bit more than a week ago. And in the pa- and this past weekend was the first full weekend of theaters being open. 
Um, now, there are only about 40% of theaters open, and the hall have about a 30% operating capacity. So obviously, numbers are going to be down. But this past weekend, China net 13 million US dollars from all titles worldwide. Uh, numbers were going up day over day. So Saturday, more, more than Friday. Sunday made more than Saturday. Um, the weekend, you know, total 13 million, um, 5 million of that was to the number one film. The box office flop here in the States, Doolittle, uh, starring Robert Downey Jr., um, you know, of that book about a doctor who can talk to animals. Um, so made about $5 million on 3,000 screens, about twice as many screens open in China than in the U.S. Um, though again, that might be screens as opposed to uh, as opposed to theaters. Um, anyway, $5 million to, doc- to do little. Uh, the next number two was the Vin Diesel superhero action film Bloodshot uh, with $2 million, uh, $2.8 million. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot to re- unpack here, but I think in short, people are planning are starting to get back into theaters in China. Now, that being said, obviously, you know, there have been, you know, uh, China is willing to close out some theaters if it ends up being, uh, you know, too risky. I believe there was a report that one district had their uh, movie theaters closed down again because of a resurgence of cases. But for the most part, I don't think that's actually happening en masse. So we'll see what happens when Beijing reopens up its movie theaters. Um, I also did briefly mention last week there were rumors of you know rules limiting movies in China to only run for two hours or less. However, the Shanghai International Film Festival this past weekend started with all eight Harry Potter films. Each of those are over two hours long. Um, so it looks to be more a guideline than a hard enforced rule. Um, the upcoming release schedule for China looks like the following. Uh, you know, the 31st, this coming weekend, uh, Big Hero 6 re-releases. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is a new release. Uh, and Jojo Rabbit is a new release and then next week uh or yeah next week on august 2nd uh, interstellar which is also another longer than two hour movie uh is opening up on sunday um so that is a uh, uh, interstellar re-releasing or re-releasing um and then a week and then on next on next weekend on the 7th um 1917 will have a new release uh in the country and then finally on the four- 14th of August. Uh, we have Bad Boys for Life, uh, the, to- the which is the top gross- current top-grossing film of 2020 coming to China. And then Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone uh, is re-releasing as well. Um, notably, it's worth noting that world lifetime total for Harry Potter 1 is somewhere, depending on the source you look, between 972 million and 984 million US dollars. Um, it has released multiple times in the past, uh, you know, in commemoration of the anniversary and so on. So, you know, there's a good chance if, if if China can give another, say, 30 to 20, 20 to 30 million to uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, that uh, we could get a new billion dollar movie uh, this year. Um, again, if Sorcerer's uh, Stone does well in China. So, all right, looking to other markets, Russia apparently will only allow lighthearted films uh, when theaters reopening, according to the culture minister. What a lighthearted film means or how you define that is up for interpretation, but probably no crazy crying dramas. Um, India is planning on reopening its movie theaters in August 1st. Um, based on the data I could find, it looks like India is not doing a great case of containing the coronavirus. The numbers just don't look as high because they're doing much less testing than in other countries in the world. But um, I mean, it's it's on them. They're going to be re- reopening up. Uh, we'll see if there's another closure again. I, I did talk in the previous episode how India is one of the biggest markets for films, um, but specifically, you know, India tends to not watch as many international films and tend to focus on 
the more than a thousand domestic films getting made. So perhaps it might be a cultural thing where just movie going in India is much more central to that. So you know we'll see how that how that how that pans out for them. Um, and finally, turning to Europe, there is an interesting article that came out that compares how France's box office has been doing relatively well compared to Britain's box office. Uh, the major conclusion I drew from this was that uh, France, you know, even though it has been doing as well year over year, but that's to be expected, um, you know. It has a thriving film production industry that is very separate from Hollywood. And so a lot of the films that are doing well now, uh, especially in the absence of major Hollywood blockbusters like Tenet or Mulan, um, France, and to some extent Korea is similar like this too, they can sow their domestic films and get audiences to come to theaters for that. Um, So we'll see if this whole Tenet international release schedule will help the British box office come back. Um, looking quickly into the production internationally, uh, the UK is now going to be starting production on the racially diverse live action remake of The Little Mermaid uh, for Disney, coming uh, starting up on August 10th. And then apparently, um, the new Mission Impossible movie will get an exemption from the travel ban in Norway um, to come in and quarantine and self-isolate themselves from the general public uh, after Tom Cruise personally reached out to the country's uh, culture minister. So, yeah. That's a thing. Uh, and finally, in weird space-related movie news, uh, two items this week. First up, Tom Cruise. Uh, we just mentioned him. Uh, the rumored Spacewalk movie starring uh, the Mission Impossible star is apparently close to being finalized. The budget is also reportedly $200 million, so I don't know if that actually includes the training and getting Tom Cruise up into space as well as his crew. Um, but uh, And Tom Cruise apparently is going to take 30 to $60 million to do this. Um, and this will involve the corporation of SpaceX and NASA um, and production will be housed on the International Space Station, which would be pretty wild. Um, it'll be going to be directed by Edge of Tomorrow director Doug Lehman. Uh, we'll see what Universal ends up when they end up signing this. Uh, no confirmation yet, but that's just kind of the rumors floating around. Um, it seems to be primarily a theatrical release and not a direct-to-streaming situation as various streaming services were just excluded from the bidding process at all. And then finally, in other space-related news, well, not really about space, but uh, you may have seen these pictures of a new French movie theater that is planned on opening next year. It looks a lot like the Galactic Senate from the Star Wars prequel trilogy, which, you know, I don't really have much to comment on on this. I mean, I guess if you have your own little pod, you know, for your party, you it's easier to social distance yourself. So I don't think that might have been, I don't know if that was in consideration at all when designing this, but it's just kind of funny to think to think about. So uh, I, I can't wait to see the prequel trilogy on that way with either. In any case, uh, that brings this episode of the Box Office Wrap uh, Watch to a close. Uh, if you have any suggestions or feedback, shoot me an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or message me on Twitter at uh, BOWatchPodcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play as well. Uh, if you could leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on Podchaser, that would be super helpful. I'll include those links in the show notes. Numbers to use in the show come from thenumbers.com as well as Deadline. Um, our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.com. IO. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Bye, guys. Bye.